Let's do it. You ready? Arizona! Welcome to a Saturday night right here in Phoenix, Arizona. Hello and welcome back to Arizona.FYI. My name is Mark. Today is Tuesday, August 16th, 2016. Today's story is going to be a short one, so let's get right into it. Arizona's longest history lies scattered and eroded across sandblasted mesas and inaccessible canyons. It's hinted at by thousand-year-old hand-carved images in massive, patinaed boulders standing as billboards, their petroglyphed faces hawking the location of nearby water and villages, describing local customs and trade opportunities. It's characterized by shards of pottery discarded after its useful lifetime, like so much old Tupperware. Lonely skyscrapers of 150 rooms and six stories witness countless sunrises as they erode to ever-decreasing piles of flat stones. Civilizations older than the nations of Europe came and went, trading between their neighbors, sharing their cultures, mixing ideas and relations. On Black Mesa, a 50-room castle overlooks the Agua Fria River. It squats just over a mile from where weary modern travelers enjoy the view at Sunset Point. Seven centuries ago, it would have towered 50 feet above the brown grassland mesa. It was home to over 100 people. Across the canyon, less than two miles distant, another castle house for 50 people could communicate by line of sight. More than 450 of these castles and houses dot the mesa tops between Black Canyon City and Cordes Junction. This distance is a short journey of only 18 miles. The skeletons of the hundreds of houses can be seen spread across the mesa as blueprint-like walls huddled together and covered by desert scrub. These homes, castles, farms, and cultural centers were built by the people of the Perry Mesa tradition. Not a single entity, not a single people, not a single culture or tribe, the PMT was made up of migrants, refugees, and castaways from areas all over Arizona. The Sinawa, the Huhugam, the Prescott, and other unidentified cultures contributed to the inhabitants of the Mesa villages. Ceramics have been found here, but were made of non-local material. They were shared between pueblos, which hints at a permanent non-local trade and a shared resource between residents. To think that where there is currently only antelope and grass around Sunset Point, a civilization of 10,000 or more lived, farmed, celebrated, traded, warred, loved, and died for hundreds of years is absolutely stunning. This is only one small area. Black and Perry Mesas are only eight miles to a side. Growing up in Arizona and being taken to a lot of museums, I never really internalized the scale of these civilizations. Looking at pottery and recreated Pueblo houses gives a glimpse into the small village's life, but what it doesn't show you is that that village was only one of 200 villages within sight of each other. That your village wasn't just 100 people, it was 10,000 or more. That these weren't just a single village or a single little town worth of people. This was an entire civilization that took over the top of this mesa. It traded amongst itself, individual villages warred with each other, and the villages farmed in the spaces between them. Being on the top of a mesa and being within line of sight of each other gave them strong defensive positions. Also, just the sheer age of the mesa is impressive. 1,500 to 2,400 years is a long time. The Perry Mesa ruins stand testament to the permanent residences of the Mesa and Pueblo peoples. But for the peoples of the valleys, far from stones with which to build, there's little that survives. One of the most impressive and lasting accomplishments of these valley people were their canals, many of which we have expanded for our use today. 
The canal system was begun around 450 BCE and was built over 1,500 years by hand. It rivaled the water management accomplishments of even the ancient Egyptians. From the headwaters of the canals, a massive network of villages supported a priestly class whose purview was distribution of water. Pueblo Grande, a complex of ruins one can visit near Sky Harbor Airport, near downtown Phoenix, was one such headquarters. The villages farther away from the canal inlets were responsible for connecting themselves to the system. At the Pueblo Mound headquarters, consultation and organization could be offered and dams and gates could manage the water that the villages received downstream. 80,000 people relied on the turn of a gate to sustain 110,000 acres of farmland across the Salt River Valley. And all of this happened before the year 1300. You know, the area around Phoenix has a ton of ruins. The area where I grew up, uh, Cashin, actually has an archaeological site just south of the house that I grew up in. I don't think I ever knew about it when I was there. I'd come across some of the records from the archaeological expeditions in the 1970s that probably was right before my parents bought that house. So I'm not sure if they were even aware that it was there. But it's amazing to me that there were Indian ruins directly north of the Gila River, almost in an area that which I wouldn't have thought that they would have been in the first place. I highly recommend everybody get out and look at some of the museums around here. Look at the ceramic, the uh, art that is still left over. But do remember that the civilizations that existed here before the Spaniards came were massive. They spanned the entire valley. They spanned most of the state. There are lots and lots of tribes around Arizona. There are a lot of cultures and peoples. Archaeologically, we can't really identify specific tribes. So even the Perry Mesa tradition or the Hohokam isn't made up of a single tribe. It's made up of lots of different people. And the definition of culture and the definition of people changes over time because we can only see what they left behind. And we can only see the things that are left behind, like ceramics or jewelry, only the things that don't degrade. We're only seeing little bits and tiny pieces of life in their time. We can't really know what the petroglyphs stood for. We can't really infer what their religion was. We can't really infer what they believed. And we'll never be able to tell with 100% accuracy what actually happened to these people who disappeared. It seems to be agreed upon in the archaeological record that these cultures disappeared around the year 1300, which was solidly before the Spanish Entradas brought conquistadors into the area. In a lot of the stories about the native peoples of Arizona, such as the Sinawa, a very common theme is either a great migration away from an area or a sudden disappearance. It's usually surmised that they ran out of water, or the population grew too much and collapsed under its own weight. Sometimes it's surmised that it was warfare, or famine. It's hard to know, and archaeology leaves a lot to be desired. I don't claim any special knowledge in archaeology. I am definitely an untrained <laughs> amateur. But I do find it interesting, although more so now than when I was a child that my parents drug me around to all these things. Definitely recommend a few different places. Uh, you can check our website, arizona.fyi, if you want to see a list of a few of them. They'll be in the show notes here. One of my favorites is Wapaki, which is up near, uh, just on the other side of Sunset Crater near Flagstaff. You can hit the easy ones downtown, Pueblo Grande, Mesa Grande, Casa Grande, all those. And when you go, definitely don't touch anything. Don't take anything. Don't be a jackass. You know how it goes. Well, thank you for joining me on this very short edition of Arizona.FYI. I'll be recording a bull session with Dan, and we'll get that out on Thursday. And next week, we'll have a bigger story for you. Thanks for listening. And remember, when you're out exploring our state, don't forget to bring us along.